This morning, I'm going to be talking on the title of Beholding Beauty. I encourage everyone to take notes this morning, especially write down the scriptures I talk about because they all relate together, and you're going to want to go back and study those. We're in this series entitled Vision for Eternity, Vision for Eternity or Vision of Eternity, and we're talking about beholding beauty. Ten years ago, my wife and I were celebrating our 10-year anniversary. Amazing. We're coming up on 20 years. This keeps getting better. Keep on getting better. Keep on, right? Uh, and, and I didn't have much money at all, so I'm thinking, how do we make this 10-year anniversary a great one? We need to do a trip, and I had the thought, you know, we're new arrivals to California. I've heard of these incredible natural treasures. We can go to a national park. That's not going to cost a lot of money. Now, I had this interesting experience with one of my neighbors. He certainly wasn't a Christian. Uh, he was more of a partier guy, but he said this God phrase. And, and the only time I ever heard him say things like, uh, use the Lord's name, was when he took the Lord's name in vain. But this time he didn't. He, he goes, you have to go to Yosemite. It is God's country. It is God's country. I went, wow, man, you're like giving glory to God. And then he went on and on about how it was the prettiest place on earth, and it was just unbelievable beauty. It would take your breath away. And I just have to admit, I was a little smug about it because I've, I've had the privilege to travel around the world. So I'm thinking, man, I've seen the Himalayas. Like, there's no way. Or I've been in the tropical islands. Like, there's no way this is the prettiest place on earth. But I thought, okay, th we've got it. We're living in California. We've got to check out Yosemite. And then I have to say, when I drove through the ranger station to come into the park, I was disappointed. I, we, we get in, and it's just tall pine trees and kind of rolling hills. And I think, this is just like the wilderness, like so many different states that I've been to. What, what's the big deal? And then if you've been there, you enter into this tunnel. And, and I'm not a tunnel fan. I, I deal with claustrophobia, so I never like driving through tunnels. So we're driving through this tunnel, and then my worst fear starts happening. All the brake lights come on. I'm like, no, I'm going to be stuck in a tunnel. Like I came from an outdoor vacation. I'm going to be stuck in a tunnel. As all these brake lights start, uh, you know, lighting up in front of me. But we keep going. And then I watch all these left blinker signals start being activated. And all the cars moving off to the left. And for some of you, you know what I'm going to say next. We come to the end of the tunnel. And all I could do as we come out of the tunnel and see this unbelievable scene in front of us, is I just like involuntarily start pulling the car to the left because I saw this. This doesn't do it justice, but I saw this, the Yosemite Valley, and it took my breath away. And so I veer over to the left, and I stumble out of the car with my jaw dropped. And the only thing, like, what do you do when you see something pretty? You just pull out your phone, and you're, like, I've got to capture this. I've got, like, I've got to take a little piece of this home. We stood gaping. You know, there's something about beauty that takes our breath away. There's something about our eyes that long to see something majestic. There's something in our brain that gets excited when we see beauty. There's something that happens to us physically. And in fact, do you know that there's actually a way that God created you? According to the Institute for Neuroaesthetics, did you know that that's actually a science? Neuroaesthetics, 
according to the Institute of Neuroaesthetics at the University College in London, when you see beauty, it affects that front part of your brain called the medial orbital frontal cortex. I'm sure you all knew that. The reward and pleasure center of the brain. So your eyes take in beauty. Then there's an increase of blood flow and activity in the medial orbital frontal cortex, and then it releases dopamine through your body. And so that's actually why you're feeling this euphoria when you're standing beholding beauty. Do you know who created beauty? God. God is the author of beauty. That is why he put these beautiful scenes on the earth. But do you know that all natural scenes pale in comparison to the beauty of God himself? There is nothing more beautiful. There is nothing more majestic than God himself. But the problem with most of us as Christians is that we have thought our Christian faith is more just about us, more getting some self-help, more having some behavioral uh, modifications for us to have just a little more peaceful, a little more whole, a little more happy life. And so many people, when you ask them, you know, what does God look like? They'd say, I don't know. I mean, God, God's kind of like the force in Star Wars. You know, he kind of, you know, kind of flows into everyone and kind of just around or God's just, I, I was at the beach yesterday and there was this person and they had their hands like this to the ocean. They were trying to receive the ocean's energies, right? And, and man, I understand the ocean's powerful, but the, the ocean is not where God is. The ocean is not God. The Bible actually, as we study from Genesis to Revelation, unveils the beauty of God. And that's what I want to talk about today. So please take note and please write down these different verses. We're going to start in Genesis chapter 28. Genesis, the very first book of the Old Testament. And this really encourages me. Because the first person to really encounter the beauty of God, for the veil to be opened, was not the kind of person you would expect. Like, you would expect this monk in a monastery. You would expect this, this perfect, like, nun, someone that you would go like, well, yeah, that person's like Mary, the Virgin Mary. And yeah, no, this person, his name is Jacob. And Jacob was a liar. Jacob was a deceiver. Jacob was actually running to get out of some big family drama that he was in. I mean, he had just deceived his dad. His brother wants to kill him, and so he's running. And this is where we come up to Genesis 28, verse 10. Jacob left Beersheba and set out for Haran. And when he reached a certain place, he stopped for the night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones there, he put it under his head and lay down to sleep. This guy was in need of MyPillow.com. He had a dream in which he saw a stairway resting on earth and with its top reaching to heaven and the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. This is why people talk about, oh, no, heaven's actually a place. And why do people say, you know, when I'm up there? No, it's because throughout the Bible, we see anytime we're focusing on heaven, it's upward. Jesus ascends up into heaven. They look up and see into heaven. So he sees a ladder and there's angels ascending and descending. Now watch this next phrase. I want you to underline this if you have a paper Bible. Highlight it if you're using your Bible app. There above it stood the Lord. God is not just some vapor. He's not just some force. No, he is actually seeing the Lord. 
the Lord is actually standing. And he said, this is the Lord's saying, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham and the God of Isaac. God wants us to know him. He is revealing who he is. He's revealing, I'm a covenant God. I'm a family God. And I give you, I'm a giving God, and your descendants, the land on which you're lying, your descendants will be like the dust of the earth, and you will spread out to the west and to the east, to the north and to the south. All peoples, everyone say, whoop, oh wow, we're here. All people, some people like go, what? All people, that's a weird name for church. No, it's just all over the Bible. All peoples on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. Jacob, seeing the heavens open and having a revelation of God. Now what you're gonna see as we march through the Bible that this happens time and time again. So the next time we have this experience is in the book of Isaiah. Isaiah is a major prophet and Isaiah they're in this crisis time of Israel's history. As we watch, I'm gonna read this verse. It says, in the year that King Uzziah died. So Uzziah was this good king, and so Israel's going into this crisis because they're like, oh no, we don't have a good leader now. But watch, in the midst of this crisis, look at the next phrase, I saw the Lord, high and exalted. He's high, he's exalted. He's not like, a, you know, in Greek mythology, we'd hear about gods and they're like angry or they're lustful or sensual. No, God is so different. He's not like a person. He's high and exalted and the, he's seated on a throne. All of a sudden we go, oh, God is actually seated on something. It's a throne. Who sits on a throne? A king. So we understand, oh, God is a king. He sits on a throne and the train of his robe filled the temple. So what's the train of the robe? The train is the end of the robe, and it's filling the temple. I, his robe is so much bigger than mine. I, I have a bathrobe, I'll confess. I like bathrobes. I get out of the, the shower and put on my little snuggly bathrobe. But the train of my robe is very small. It feels like one little piece of tile in my bathroom, not God's robe, it fills the whole temple. The temple was the largest structure that the Israelites knew of. And his, just the end of his robe filled it, so all of a sudden we're like, oh, God is big. He is big. And above him were the seraphim. Now watch this. Each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces. With two wings they covered their feet. With two wings they were flying. If that weirds you out, it should. Because it is otherworldly. God's creation will, will blow our mind. There's another place, it's called heaven, and there's beings that actually will overwhelm you there. And they were calling to one another, holy, holy, holy is the Lord almighty. It says holy, holy means transcendent other. It means totally different, it means pure. But can you imagine saying, it's like me looking at my wife and going, beautiful. Beautiful, beautiful, right? He, he, he can't just say it once. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and thresholds shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. And he says this, woe to me, 
He cried, I'm ruined, for I'm a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and I've seen, my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Here's one of my concerns with the American church. There's no conviction because there's no beholding his glory. We focus so much just on self-help, on coming and getting a few needs met, that we haven't seen the beauty and the purity and the holiness of God. But when you see him, you understand, oh, he's big and I'm really small. He's perfect and I'm sinful. And you are convicted. We need to see the beauty of God. We go to the next book. This book has often perplexed people. It's it's often people look at this and they're like, I just don't know what to do with this. This is so different. I want to tell you, fall in love with the different scriptures in the Bible. Dive deep into the deep waters. Don't just stay in the shallow end. And that's what we see in Ezekiel chapter 1. It says, in my 30th year, this is Ezekiel speaking, in the fourth month on the fifth day, while I was among the exiles by the Kabar River, the heavens were opened and I saw visions of God. Are you starting to see this pattern? Jacob was in crisis and he sees the heavens open and sees God. Isaiah, the nation was in crisis and all of a sudden he has this experience where he sees God. Ezekiel, they've been taken out by this tyrannical, this tyrannical army. They've been taken into exile, and what happens? They're seeing God. Can I tell you, your crisis is a great opportunity to have an encounter with the living God. When the world is shaking around you, it's a great time to encounter the unshakable God. Let your crisis drive you into a need to see the unshakable God. And so that's what's happening with Ezekiel. That I saw visions of God, skipping to verse four. I looked and I saw a windstorm coming out of the north, an immense cloud with flashing lightning and surrounded by brilliant light. Any lightning fans out there? We, we, we all should be. Our team was the Bolts for a while. Um, let's take a moment of silence for uh, lightning. Lightning is mesmerizing. Lightning is awesome. We don't have as many lightning storms. I, I grew up in central Texas, man. Tons of electrical storms. In fact, one day I was driving home uh, in, in the evening and there's this electrical storm, like lightning just everywhere. I don't know if you've ever been in a storm where lightning's just boom, boom, boom. And, and you see the lightning and then you count to see how far the thunder is away. Have you ever done that? So anyway, it's one of those storms and I pull up to my my house and my parents' cars are both there, and my sisters, my twin sisters, I know are there. So I go in, and I'm thinking, wow, this is a crazy electrical storm. And I walk into the house, and all the lights are off. And I, I go up to my room, and now the lightning is just going, dish, 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 dish. and I'm going, Mom, Dad, Heather, Hannah, are y'all here? You know, it's kind of freaky when you're in an electrical storm. And then I start walking through the house, and like the windows, you know, and the thunder is going, and, and, and now like no lights are on, their cars are there, and I start thinking, like, when Jesus returns, it's going to be like bright lightning in the east, and the lightning's coming from the east. I'm like, oh, my gosh, I might have missed the rapture. So I'm like, start running around the house frantically, and, you know, it's just lightning, lightning, lightning. I'm like, Mom, Dad, Heather, Hannah. My sisters are a lot more godly than me, so I'm like, oh, yes, like, I know they'd be there. And uh, I, run, 
Finally, I run out the front door because I'd come in the back door. I run out the front door, and my, my parents and my sisters are all in the front yard just watching the storm. I'm like, yes, you're here. They're like, why are you so excited to see us? Like, I didn't miss the rapture. Um, doesn't really have anything to do with this message, but it's a great story. <laughs> to tell you how supernatural, I mean, lightning just, it's, it's otherworldly. And it, 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 it puts us in awe, and you have to see that that is what's surrounding Jesus. That's what's surrounding God, is this lightning, this brilliant light. It says the center of the fire looked like glowing metal. Verse 5, and in the fire was what looked like four living creatures. Have you ever noticed that you could just have a fireplace and you stare at the fire? You can just get lost staring at the fire. Like I've seen people that don't have fireplaces that just get like a, a, a fireplace uh, on, on repeat on YouTube and just watch it on their TV. Why? Because you were made to gaze upon fire. There's something about fire that makes us want to just gaze upon it, behold it. Why? Because that is what's going on in the center of the universe, in the throne room of God. And there are these four living creatures again. In their appearance, their form was human, but each one of them had four faces and four wings. Their legs were straight. Their feet were like those of a calf, gleamed like burnished bronze. Move to verse 25, because it goes into this long depiction of these creatures. Then there came a voice above the vault over their head. So above these creatures' head is this vault. As they stood, they lowered their wings. Above the vault over their heads was what looked like a throne of lapis lazuli. So not only is God enthroned, but he's on a throne that's different than any throne you've ever seen. If you've ever traveled and, and gone into these different places where you see the throne that the king used to sit on, that throne would be wood and maybe it would be overlaid with gold, but not this throne. This throne is a solid jewel. I mean, I've seen some jewels. I saw the jewels in the Tower of London, and you know, they'd be worth like a million dollars and they're that big. Imagine a throne, and we know that it's a big throne of complete jewel. There is nothing more costly in the universe. And it says this, and high above the throne, don't miss this, this is the most important. High above the throne was a figure like that of a man. When you grab hold of this, you understand how valuable you are. You understand how precious your life is because you, beloved, are made in the image of God. God actually has the appearance of a man, and so you are made in his image. He wanted you. You are his children. Now, don't get me wrong. He doesn't look like us. I mean, he doesn't have dull flesh. Keep reading. It says this, and I saw that from what appeared to be his waist up, he looked like glowing metal. He doesn't have dull flesh like this. No, he, he's like glowing metal. I mean, why do we love superhero movies where all of a sudden Captain Marvel is glowing? It's because it is just a glimpse it is just a cheap imitation of the glory of God seated on a throne as if full of fire. And that from there down, he looked like fire and brilliant light surrounded him like the appearance of a rainbow in the clouds 
on a rainy day. So was the radiance around him. We see as we move on that like there is a rainbow, like an emerald surrounding him. Do you ever, have you ever seen a rainbow? Like have you ever gotten close to a rainbow? You, when we were on that trip to Yosemite, we come around and there is this rainbow off one of the falls and everyone's just standing there looking at this rainbow. I remember when one of those first viral videos of YouTube, this guy in California sees this rainbow and he's like, oh, double rainbow. Do you remember that? Oh, it's really funny. You should look it up. Double rainbow. He's like, what does this mean? I'll tell you what it means. It means you're seeing the glory of God. There's nothing like the glory of God. Why are we mesmerized by rainbows? Because they are actually around the throne. But, you know, when you're flying and you see a rainbow, the rainbow is, is not stopped by the horizon. It's a complete circle. And that's what's happening around the throne of God. So was the radiance around him. This was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of God. When I saw it, I fell face down. And I heard the voice of one speaking to me. Sometimes I've, I've heard people say like, wow, that is so weird, that charismatic church where someone falls down. Wow, that, that is so weird. Um, now, I don't, have you ever put your finger in an electrical socket before? You know, some of you are like, yes, that's me. Uh, last service, some guy was like, yeah, I did it twice. I don't know why. Um, you put your finger in an electrical socket, you only do it once, or at least most people will. Your body is going to be affected by that power. When you touch raw power, your body will be affected. Why, whenever in the Bible someone encounters God face-to-face, do they fall face-down? Because they're coming face-to-face with raw power. God is all-powerful. He is all-awesome. Let's move to the next book. I love this next book, Daniel. Daniel. Daniel was also in a time of crisis, right? He was a captive. I mean, Daniel had lost his right. So, so, so many of us, I mean, in the day we're living, it's getting very concerning because there's a loss of so many rights for, for Christians and we're seeing things taken away and we're th- seeing things stripped and, and we're in a really challenging time. But can I tell you, when you lay hold of the beauty and glory of God, you can be anchored and find peace and relief in a troubled world. And so what you're gonna see is actually Daniel all these kings, and most of them were wicked, rose and they fell and rose and fell. But Daniel stays stable. Why? Because he kept his eyes on the Lord. As I looked, this is Daniel chapter 7, verse 9. As I looked, thrones were set in place, and the ancient of days took his seat. The ancient of days, I love that phrase. God was here before you, God was here before your parents, God was here before your grandparents, God was here before America. God was here before the world. He is the ancient of days. He comes and takes his place on the throne. His clothing was white as snow, and the hair of his head was white like wool. It's it's pure. It's gleaming. His throne was flaming with fire. So now it's not just a jeweled throne, but he's sitting. He's on fire, right? It's a fire throne. Who can sit on a throne of fire? And its wheels were all ablaze. And a river of fire was flowing, coming out from before him. Anyone who thinks that Christianity or the Bible is boring, you have not studied this book. There's a river of fire coming from his throne. That's bad. 
You've probably heard some people before you lay hands on someone and say, Lord, we ask for the fire of God. What are we asking for? We are asking for the, the purifying fire. We're asking for the powerful fire. God is supernatural. There is a fire coming from his throne. Thousands upon thousands attended him. Ten thousands upon ten thousands stood before him. So we start seeing, oh, he's not in the throne room alone. There's angels and there are people gathered around. But now watch this next part. This is so key. The court was seated and the books were open. There's been so much in 2020 and 2021 about the importance of courts and the battle for the courts. And yes, courts are very important. I was so thankful that this week a court in San Diego said that, that young people could go back and play their sports. Yes, that's awesome. It's okay. We're the 50th state to do that, but that's okay. I'm glad it happened. So what courts say is important. What the Supreme Court rules, very important. But can I tell you, at sometimes courts get it wrong, or sometimes courts give unrighteous judgments, but there is a court. There is a high court. Do you know, and more important, higher than the Supreme Court is the high court of heaven. And there is a righteous judge who sits there and every decree he makes is righteous, pure, and holy. He will never get it wrong. And there is a time where every human will stand before that court and be judged. And it says the books were opened. I, I tell you what, this is the book you want to be in. 50% uh, of millennials said that their goal in life is to be famous. Let me tell you, more, more important than being in some book someday or having a million friends on Facebook, or having a million likes on Instagram, you want to be in this book. This is the book. This, this is the book. This is the original Facebook. His face, you're in the book. In my vision at night, I looked, and there before me was one like a son of man, coming with the clouds of heaven. So this, who is this? Who is the son of man? Jesus, right? If you don't know the answer in church, just always say Jesus. Um, he is the son of man. Jesus didn't just say I'm the son of man because he was born of a, of a woman, of Mary. Jesus is the son of man because he is the actual one from Daniel 7. What it meant is he actually was already in heaven and he's approaching the ancient of days and it says this, that he's coming with the clouds of heaven and he approached the ancient of days and was led into his presence and he was given authority. Who's given authority? Jesus was given authority, glory and sovereign power. Jesus has authority over the whole universe. And in it, watch, it says, all nations and peoples of every language worshiped him. Sometimes people wonder, well, all peoples, why are you guys so into the nations? Like, why are you always talking about going to this nation and reaching this un unreached people group? And why are you always sending out teams, short-term teams, and then long-term church plants? Why? Because it's the center of what God is doing in the universe, in front of his throne. People from every kindred, nation, tribe, and tongue are gathered, not just Americans. Not even just Americans and Mexicans and Canadians. It's every nation, every kindred, they're gathered around the throne. And so I want to be about my father's business. What we want this church to be about. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away. And his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed can I just tell you again, I don't want this. I love our nation. I love America. I pray for America. But even if America fell, even if America was destroyed, you are part, beloved, of a kingdom that is eternal. You're part of a kingdom that's immortal. You are part of a kingdom that is unshakable, and it is the kingdom of God. And nothing, nothing can destroy it. Let's come around the corner 
to the last book of the Bible, the book of Revelation. We're going to see it now most clearly. You've been seeing heaven opened, and more and more we're seeing these pictures of the throne and of Jesus. But we get to the book of Revelation, the last book, and this is John. This is Jesus' best friend. And John's in a bad place. And once again, there's a crisis, and, and the Christians are being persecuted. And, and, and there was a government that came against them. And so John has been kicked out of Israel, and he's sent to an island. And don't think island like Kauai, where Hudson's from. Think like Rock Island. So think about, I don't know if you've ever been out to the Coronado Islands, not beautiful Coronado, but the Coronado Islands that you see off. If you ever go up, it's just rock, right? There's nothing, on, well, actually, there's one little house and one little dude. I don't know what he's doing out there. But he's just like on a rock island called Patmos. He's been exiled there. And on that island, as he's in exile, as, as the world is in trouble, he has this. It says, I, John, your brother and companion in the suffering and kingdom and patient endurance that are ours in Jesus was on the island of Patmos because of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. You're thinking, oh, this is a bummer. Because I stood for Jesus, I got exiled. Because I stood for Jesus, I got kicked out, I got persecuted. But watch what happens to him next. He says, I turn, this is Revelation 1:12. I turned to see the voice that was speaking to me. And when I turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. And among those lampstands was someone like a son of man dressed in a robe, reaching down to his feet with a golden sash around his chest. This is the first time we've seen this sash. It's a sash of royalty. It's a priestly sash, this golden sash around his chest. The hair on his head was white like wool, as white as snow. And this, I love this next part. And his eyes were like blazing fire. You look into his eyes, you never want to turn away. Like looking into an eternal fireplace. You're looking into the eyes of Jesus. His eyes are like fire, and it's just going to get better. His feet were like bronze glowing in a furnace. You'll never want to take your eyes off his feet, and I'm not a feet fan. They're kind of ugly. They're usually stinky. I have three teenage boys, but his feet are like bronze glowing in a fire. Just the feet of Jesus will put you in awe and his voice was like the sound of rushing waters. Have you ever stood next to a roaring river? Have you ever stood next to a massive waterfall? That roaring, his voice isn't, isn't just like, hello. No, his voice. I, I pray every night before I go to bed, Lord, speak to me in the night. Give me dreams from heaven. I ask that every night. I want, I want to go closer to the Lord. I want to fellowship with the Lord in my sleep. The Bible talks about him giving his beloved rest. He talks about counseling us in the night. I encourage you to, every night, ask the Lord for dreams from heaven. One night, I've only had this happen one time, but one night, I was asleep, and I heard that voice in my dream. I heard the voice like rushing waters. I want to tell you that it took, in, in my dream, it took my breath away. I couldn't breathe. It was so powerful. The closest thing I've come to it is I was in South Africa, and, and we were in, you know, zoos in different countries are different than, than the United States. I don't know if you've ever been to a zoo in a different country. They don't have, like, the bars and the moat and, like, you know, 100 yards away. You're like, I think that's a lion. No, maybe it's a giraffe. No, in, in other countries often, like, you walk up and there's a fence and then there's a lion. So there was this big, massive lion on the other side of just a fence to us. And it was going, <sighs> it's purring. I felt the purring reverberating in my chest. 
And then it was feeding time. We stayed for feeding time. They gave it like four chickens and it roared. And oh, it's it like your whole body felt the roar. You felt this fear. And it was kind of exciting, but kind of scary. That's the closest thing I can describe in this dream to experiencing the voice of God. I woke up gasping for air and frozen to the bed. Like Steph had to go like, Robert, Robert. And I couldn't say anything because I was so affected just by the voice in the dream. How much more when you're face to face with Jesus, hearing that sound of his voice like rushing waters, will you fall down for a thousand years? Catch your breath, get back up, and then you'll fall down again. His voice is overwhelming. In his right hand, he held seven stars, and coming out of his mouth was a sharp, double-edged sword. This isn't like greeting card, shepherd, hallmark card, Jesus, right? Like, this isn't, oh, sweet Jesus. This is like, whoa, you got a sword coming out of your mouth, Jesus. This is victorious warrior Jesus. His face was like the sun shining in all its brilliance. Did you read that? Don't, don't just skip over these things. Spend time. Take these scriptures and chew on them, memorize them, meditate on the one whose face is like the sun. Do you know that if you stepped out of this tent, looked up at the sun for too long, it will sear your eyes and you will go blind? Do you know that Jesus' face is like the sun shining in all its brilliance, so much so that in the end of Revelation, it says there is no more sun because he is the light. Do you know that Jesus' face will replace the sun as the light of the universe? And this is who you get to behold. I tell you, there's no one as beautiful as Jesus. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. Why does this keep happening? Then he placed his right hand on me and said, do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am living when I was dead. And now look, I'm alive forever and ever and hold the keys of death and Hades. Let me tell you, you do not have to fear You do not have to fear. Death is not the end for you if you've given your life to Jesus, if you've asked him to forgive you of your sins. It's not about living a perfect life. It's by grace that you've been saved through faith, not by any work. So when Jesus died on the cross, if you will just call out to him and say, I need a savior, then you will be saved. And he has conquered death in Hades. Like the coronavirus, not good, it's bad. But if it kills you and you're a believer, you're going to a better place. You don't have to live in fear. You do not have to live in fear because he has overcome death and Hades. Okay, last illustration, last verse. Coronado is my happy place. Confession. Uh, 2012, I I think I'm justified. 2012, Coronado Beach was voted America's top beach. Uh, According to Dr. Stephen Leatherman, director of the Laboratory for Coastal Research, He based his 2012 ranking on the beach's environmental quality, safety for swimmers, the feel of the sand, water quality, amenities, crowds, and weather. When I am just driving over the bridge into Coronado, right, just I'm on the top, and I'm like, oh, the Lord loves me. This is so pretty. I get on the beach, I take off my shoes, I put my little toes in the sand. Oh, and I'm like, yes, Lord. Right? It ministers. I, I step out on the beach, I sit down, and I just feel the weight. I mean, do you have a happy place? I hope you have a happy place where you get there and you're just like, ah. There's something about the, the Coronado Beach. Like, if you've been there at sunset, the beach actually glistens like it's like there's gold flakes. And it's so amazing. And so I go there and I just get revived and restored and renewed. 
Do you know there's a place better than Coronado? Do you know that there is a place that can revive you, refresh you, renew you, restore you? And it's painted in Revelation 4. And you can go there. Here's the thing about going to Coronado for me is it refreshes me, renews me. And, and, and so much so that if I'm in the middle of a hard week, like things are just going bad, I'm like, if I can just make it to the weekend, oh, I won't be, I won't be here anymore. I will be walking on Coronado Beach. Ah, oh, the weight will leave me. The sand will massage my feet. Right? I, I, I look forward to being there because I know that the weight of the world will be taken off and the beauty will refresh me and my eyes will be filled and my brain will have a surge of, uh, uh, of my medial frontal cortex will be ministered to and my body will. Do you, do you know that there's a place that you can always go that's even more beautiful and it's called the throne room of God and let me read this last scripture. It says this, after this I looked and there before me was a door standing open in heaven and the voice I heard first speaking to me like a trumpet said, come up here and I will show you what must take place after this. At once I was in the spirit and there before me was a throne in heaven. There it is again, with someone sitting on it. And the one who sat there had the appearance of Jasper and Ruby. Like he doesn't have dull flesh like us. It's not just fire. It's like the most beautiful emeralds and rubies and a rainbow that shone like an emerald encircled the throne. And surrounding the throne were 24 other thrones and seated them were 24 elders. Wait, what? Humans actually sit on thrones? Yeah, do you remember that Jesus said to he who overcomes? He said it in Revelation 3. I'm gonna give the chance to sit on a throne with me. You're like, wait, what? And he says this, they were dressed in white and had crowns of gold on their heads, and from the throne came flashes of lightning and rumbles and peals of thunder, and in front of the throne seven lamps were blazing. These are the seven spirits of God. Also in front of the throne there was what looked like a sea of glass, as clear as crystal. If you're a surfer, fear not, there is still a sea. And it's a glassy sea, I love those glassy days. On the water, and it's clear as crystal, it's more beautiful than the waters of Hawaii or Cancun or the Maldives. It's the most perfect sea. In the center around the throne were four living creatures and they were covered with eyes in front and back. And Christians read this and go like, I don't wanna read that because there's these like monsters with eyes all over and I wanna say no. The only rightful biological response to being created to stand in front of beauty all day, every day, is to have more than two eyes. Because your eyes just can't get enough. You're, there's so much beauty that they are just all eyes. Isn't it fitting that the beings that were created to only be in front of the throne forever are covered with eyes? You are made to behold him. And it moves on to say day and night, they never stop saying holy, holy, holy is the Lord God almighty who was and is and is to come. And whenever the living creatures give glory and honor, and thanks to him who sits on the throne and who lives forever, the 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. And they lay their crowns before the throne and say, you are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things. And by your will, they were created and have their being. I want to tell you, I don't want to just live for this earth. I see this in Revelation 4 and I go, oh, there is a center of the universe. Do you know that there's a center of the universe? Do you know that it's not San Diego? Like, I love San Diego, but we're not the center. It's not even LA. It's not even Washington, D.C. 
It's not even you. Ooh. You're not the sinner. Do you know what the center is? The center is a throne. It's the throne of Jesus. There is a center, and everything's moving towards. This is the center, and every day I want to think about it because in the end, if you've given your life to Jesus, then you're going to be in there. But you know what? If you overcome, you'll actually be on a throne. Now, you won't be him. You won't be like, you won't be God. But he actually brings his little children, his little normal, everyday people who overcome. And he says, now, I give you a throne, and I actually give you crowns for how you've lived on this earth. And there was something, let me just finish with this. There was something that happened to me in college, guys. When I started spending daily time with Jesus, and I started studying the word, and I remember asking, God, can you really be known? Can I really know you? And I started seeing these passages where the heavens were open and you could see God. And I got fixated and I got infected and these got seared in me. And I fell in love with the one with eyes like fire, whose face is like the sun, who's glowing, who's surrounded by brilliant light. And then the thought of I, what I do on this earth actually gives me crowns that then I can fall before him and throw them at his feet and worship him forever. That's what matters. That's what matters. That's what keeps you going on hard days. That's what keeps you living for him when all the world's going in a different direction. That's what keeps you serving. That's what keeps you sharing about Jesus because it all ends in the throne. Amen? Let's stand up.